It ain't JY's flow without tight rhymes It ain't a Pittsburgher without the fries From the nation's heartland like mom's apple pies It's pure Americana, hides on your fries Got more bridges in Venice, my city is still If you dig my lingo, you'll know that I feel Like ain't no city so gritty, so filled with appeal I'm off to Permanis, piled high my next meal Never mind New Hampshire, got my own Washington mount Got three joining rivers, but who's keeping count? Got the world's first Ferris, got the world's famous salt Take me out after the ball game, no hesitation, no ball. Got Danny and Keaton, Warhol and Rogers, Fred film Night of the Living, and Don of the Dead. Made the first on a Palmer, down is so sweet. Only six-time winner, Super Bowl repeat. Yeah, the city of schools, a city with class. Long before our foundries, we were making our glass. Yeah, I mean, at least you got O'Neill Cruz to look forward to, though. So Yeah, he's he's a specimen, man. I've 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 never seen anyone like just naturally gifted. So like if he can like hone his craft to, to do everything, I think that, you know, they're going in the right direction. So. Yeah. I've never seen him hit a ball. Yeah. I've never seen anyone hit a ball harder than O'Neill Cruz. And it's statistically yeah. backed up by the fact that he hit the hardest ball in the stack cast era. That was pretty awesome. I'm a big O'Neill Cruz guy. So if my yeah. partner was here, he'd be able to confirm that. But um, yeah. So but Where are you guys based out of? Uh, so we, I live in, I live in Queens. I live in New York and Dan used to live in, he used to live in Yonkers, but now he uh, moved down to, I think the DC area. So, you know, we, okay. uh, yeah, the show's relatively new. Uh, we, you know, we got together. I have my own like YouTube channel and everything and he's got all sports yeah. news. So, you know, I actually had him on my old show and then he reached out to me a couple months after and he was like, yo, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. You interested in like being the co-host and then it mm. just took off from there. So, you know, you'll be, That's cool. you'll be, uh, the guest for episode eight. So it, it's actually been really, the growth has been great over the first like seven episodes. So. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I started this week, me and my best friend, he worked in the sports business and I did music. I still do music like in Pittsburgh and stuff. So like, I never like, went to college or anything, but he has like a, you know, he's, he was a journalist major and graduated and been in sports. And we just kind of just started the podcast, like with our connections just over the years. And it turned into having a full production team. And now everything's kind of just like, you know, picking up. So it's like, you know, you got to invest in yourself. Everyone thinks Rome was built in a day, but <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's rewarding. Cause like some of the guys that, you know, I get to have a, you know, a burger with these are guys that I grew up, you know, now we're adults, so it's a little bit different when you see these guys. But, like, when growing up, like, some of these guys that we're talking to, I looked at them as, like, superheroes. Yeah, so I, I want to apologize because I'm actually driving to Akershore Stadium. Um, so uh, that, if that that's why I'm in the car. Usually I would have had my little uh, setup. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, me and my best friend, Mike Nakasha, we started Yenzer Crazy about two years ago. And uh, we were able, you know, fortunate enough just to have a lot of cool guests on and, you know, make a name for ourselves in Pittsburgh. And uh, now we're, we're a part of the SICK uh, media team. Um, and we have the SICK Steeler podcast and also the Chris Wormley show. So we're going to get an inside look in the locker room and he's going to bring some of his teammates on during the season. So, um, yeah, man, we love Steelers in Pittsburgh, man. It's football's back, college football's back. Uh, Pitt uh, University of Pittsburgh starts off Thursday night in the backyard bra. I love a good college rivalry. Um, it's just, it's a different time, man. Um, life after Ben, like a lot of people 
you know, Pittsburgh is a very blue collar town. People pretty much just go to work, watch football and and get rest when they can. Like it, it's just like a nonstop, which I'm sure being a New Yorker is like the same, you know, the city that never sleeps. It's Pittsburgh's kind of the same way. I don't want to say it never sleeps, but they're always, you know, up doing stuff. And I think that's the mentality of the football team. Um, obviously, this is a big preseason game that I'm heading to now because the Lions offensive line, running back Swift. I mean, yeah, we tied them last year, but uh, honestly, uh, this is going to be a true test. And I think that the starters, this will get, you know, they got to make the 53-man roster cuts. I'm anxious to see how Devin Bush performs because uh, linebacker Mark Robinson has really looked sharp this whole preseason. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's going to be, you know, everyone can speculate. Um, Kenny Pickett's been playing great. I think Mason Rudolph's probably going to get traded. I think he deserves to get traded. He's a solid backup quarterback, but he had his shot to really prove himself. Um, sure, he's a great guy, um, but I mean, it's it's time now. You know, Kenny is kind of reminds me of like when Chuck Hodges kind of came and people just rallied around him, but it's easy to rally around the guy who brought an ACC championship last year to university of Pittsburgh. Um, so um, Pittsburgh, man, it, it, it's, it's nuts. I don't know about like New York. I, I know that, you know, that I don't know if you're a Jets fan or, or a I Giants am. fan. I think Giants are New Jersey, right? I mean, we're, they're both technically New Jersey, but you know, the real yeah. New York team is, is the Buffalo Bills actually? It's the only team. Okay. Yeah, I can respect that. Bills Mafia, man, they have a really, uh, they have a really good fan base. You, you gave us our guy uh, Levi Wallace who came over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. I think that like the biggest thing with Pittsburgh, I really don't want to say too much because I'm one of those people who I just show me it on the field. Like everyone's a so-called expert. Everyone, you know, studies and and does what they do, and and you got to respect that. But at the end of the day, like the Steelers could go into week one and and flop flat on their face or they can go in and, and, and beat the Bengals 41 to seven. I mean, it's really about, you know, what clicks realistically. I think that the offensive line is the biggest problem. Um, it's people don't understand. It's easy, easy on the outside looking in to critique something, but that's the most important position in football. And uh, you could put like, if you would put Tom Brady behind the Steelers offensive line right now, he, he would retire. <laughs> um, because th- there's no way that he's going to be able to take those hits. And, and that's not a knock on those guys, because I'm a firm believer that come week five, week six, I think that they will get it together, but it's a new group of guys. Guys are, you know, switching positions. You have Kevin green and, uh, Kevin, uh, Dawson, Kevin green. Wow. Rest in peace. I meant, um, Kendrick green, uh, Kendrick green. Sorry. And, uh, but rest in peace to Kevin green. We actually just had LeVon Kirkland who paid with him. That's maybe why he was on my mind, um, on our podcast, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, it is just like people just freak out. Pittsburgh fans, especially, um, they'll make you know uh, the most out of anything. Like I said, Kenny Pickett can go into this game and go thirty for thirty for six hundred yards and ten touchdowns, and I still think Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback just off of his pedigree. Um, you know, I know football enough to know that you know these guys. He's a proven starter. Like Kenny, it's a different competition. You're not going to be playing, you know, these FCF one schools to start the year. You're starting off with the Cincinnati Bengals, who were just in the Super Bowl. Um, so it's 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 the NFL, man. It's it's the survival of the fittest. And I don't Mike Tomlin's philosophy. The standard is the standard. That's what the Steelers live by. But at the same time. Everyone says, you know, it's it's a rebuilding. I don't really think that the Steelers rebuild. I think that 
it's a rebuilding in a phase that this is life after Ben. This is life after certain players, you know, Juju left, um, you know, that type of thing. So the excitement's there, man. But as far as like, you know, Steeler fans, I'm me personally, just, you know, being around the team, I went up to training camp and, you know, having the guys in, in a relationship with some of the guys on the team, you know, they're optimistic. You know, you, you can't, you can't just like the lions can make, and they probably won't, but the lions could, could win a wild card and be in the playoffs this year because they have a good offensive line and a good running back. Um, you never really know. Um, but from what I, I think, if I had to guess the record, uh, what they play 17 games now, I would, I would say they'll be right around 500, but enough to make the playoffs. If not win the wild card, and it all depends on how our division is injuries. Um, I like to let things play out, but I, I think that they're still going to make the playoffs this year just because Mike Tomlin's, never not made the playoffs. So what, what would make you think anything different? And one of the biggest things that I took away from the, the last couple games is when Mitch Trubisky, I love Ben to death. He's a hall of famer, but he was a statue. Um, and he, you know, he, he was, it was, it was the end of his career. He had a, a great, great career. First ballot hall of famer, but seeing Mitch Trubisky, being able to maneuver and make that extra play. And Kenny Pickett does the same thing. Mason Rudolph did the same thing. Yeah. That's something that we didn't have last year. And if the offensive line, I'm not worried about the running game. I'm worried about the running back number two, um, because that, that's an important position. So they got to get that figured out. But like I said, man, I'm not Mike Tomlin. I'm not Omar Khan. These guys, these guys know what they're doing and I have faith in them. Um, so I'm just going to go, you know, I'm excited to go enjoy the game. I'm kind of just going to, you know, enjoy it and kind of watch, you know, and see how everything pans out because this is the dress rehearsal before the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Jordan, you, you answered a lot of my questions actually while, while you were, you were talking there for a second, but I just kind of want to go down the list of what I had for you. Cause I wanted to get, you know, obviously you're well-informed, you know, you, you do the Chris Wormley and friend show, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I really, really wanted to pick your brain about a few things that I had questions about because Dan and I do talk a lot about the Steelers. It's been topics before because we were talking about the quarterback competition. So obviously you answered my first question by saying, who do you think should be the starting quarterback for the Steelers this season? You said Mitch Trubisky and what are your realistic expectations for Trubisky this season? Well, they got him for backup quarterback money, so realistically, it's it's a win-win for the Steelers because if Kenny if put it this way, he goes in the first three weeks and Mitch lights it up, and it's the Mitch Trubisky of 2019 under Matt Nagy's offense. I don't know how he did it, but he did it, and and he's a Pro Bowler, and the Steelers win the Super Bowl, and everyone's happy. That that's what everyone's hoping. But you could go in, and he can be a mediocre quarterback. He also played behind Josh Allen last year probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, I'm sure that he took a lot from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I realistically think that he could do it, but I, I, I would say he's not on, I would say he's on a, I guess I would say he's on a short leash because it's, they want to put Kenny in the fans want Kenny, you know, Mike Tomlin seems to love Kenny Pickett. I personally, you know, uh, I covered Pitt and been around Kenny Pickett and have dude, just the best guy ever. Like literally always polite, always makes time. I was up at training camp and uh, we're just sitting there and there's a big group and he's signing autographs 20 minutes and he just looks over and he's like, let me know when it's, you know, 
422. I have a meeting at 430 and he he signed until 428. I mean, he's got, you know, just mm-hmm. a just a class act all around. He fits the Pittsburgh mold. He's just a blue collar guy. Um, wants to succeed. And I think like with the NFL, it goes to you can have all the skills in the world, but you have to be willing to be coachable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Absolutely. goes with any sport like baseball. You you have Pirates pitchers that you know, take Garrett Cole, for example. He was a average pitcher for the Pirates and then he goes to the Yankees and he's the best pitcher, you know, in the MLB. So it, it's it's all about, you know, hey, lift your arm up this high and throw the ball at this thing and then it could change the whole game. Um, but like I said, it's I don't I, I know I keep saying this, but I'm not one to speculate on, you know, uh, OK, cool. Everyone looked good in preseason. Um, show me it when the, when the games count. Oh, absolutely. And I definitely agree with you on the whole Trubisky thing. I definitely think he should start, but I think that it's a short leash. It, it absolutely yeah. is because like, like you absolutely nailed it on the head. That's exactly the kind of thinking that I had as well, but it's a win-win. Like you said, you, you know, you got Trubisky for, you know, backup quarterback money. He starts the season. He was behind Josh Allen last year. He was coached by Brian Dayball as well, who is known to be able to fix quarterbacks. You know, he's got decent pedigree as well. I definitely agree with what you said. And another thing that you said before, and you said that you guys have to address the backup running back situation. So obviously Najee Harris, like touched the ball. I'm pretty sure he touched the ball more than any other running back in the NFL last year. Um, so what are your expectations for Najee this year? Because I know that this is a huge year for him. He had a great rookie year, but, um, you know, fans and people around the league and fantasy football players are expecting a lot out of Najee Harris this year. I mean, he's the, the, it's fundamental football, man. You, you, you got to establish a running game because it's only going to help the passing game. Um, and we're getting back to the old Steelers of the nineties, you know, ground and pound. He's willing to take that 35, you know, to 30 carries a game. But live person, you know, that can bring in you know, third down, goal line. If he's tired, he needs a breather. I mean, you need that, and we don't have that. Benny Snell football. I mean, good. He's a. I'll give him. He's a good special teams player. But you know, as a running back, you need that run. I watched him in camp. The dude was just phenomenal. Like you know, the whole practice, just everything. And uh, seeing him in the preseason, I was I was real high on Mateo Durant, but uh, he got cut because um, I watched him because he's from the ACC. So I watched him a lot of football on him. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I think Jalen Warren, Anthony McFarland to me is just like, you know, kind of it is what it is uh, with him. Um, but he throws spurts, too. Like I said, it, it's it's all about really, you know, what do you think you can do? But if I had to pick, I would say Jalen Warren just because. Benny Snell had, you know, even if they keep him on special teams, cool. But as far as like running back too, I just don't see it with him because he just runs up, you know, the yard, another Benny Snell football, another one yard run up the middle. It's, it's nothing, you know, too flashy or anything. Jalen Warren, I mean, that dude's bouncing. He's, he's, he's extending the plays and, I, and that's what you want, especially with the running back too. So hopefully they can, I think that today's game will really solidify that. And, you know, hopefully the line will, step up um the the Detroit Lions their offensive line is supposedly from what I read one of the best in the NFL yeah it definitely um, is definitely. so I mean they, they you know they got that fire coach and uh you know I I honestly always feel bad for Detroit because I've been watching them on Thanksgiving for all these years and they've just <laughs> never been relevant I was a big Barry Sanders guy growing up and everything and just watched you know watching them on every Thanksgiving but yeah I mean it's 
It's cool, man. It, the good the good thing about today is that we can't we can't tie tie them because I don't think you can tie into preseason. Last <laughs> time I watched the Steelers Lions game, it was a tie of the Mason Rudolph game. Um, we should have won it, but it is what it is. It's just ugly seeing uh seeing another an extra one next to your uh, record. I oh, think. absolutely. And it's I so think ugly. the players would agree with that too because we actually. Me and Mike did the uh, Wormley show live the week after that tie, and everyone was like, we were taking fan questions, and they're like, yeah, so what was it like, tie? And he was like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's no one writes like kissing your sister, man. It's, it's, it's time. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, it, Steelers football, it's, it's exciting. And like I said, even if they, they miss the playoffs, which I don't think they will this year, they're going to have some bumps. If you remember last season, we, we lost, you know, three or four games straight. It's, it's a long season. They're professionals. They'll get it together. If there's one team in one franchise that is the standard, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, the Dallas Cowboys can be America's team. Uh, we're, we're the world's team because Pittsburgh, the, the fans are just nuts, man. Um, it, it's a really beautiful thing. Like I, I went to the first preseason game and here in camp, uh, those chance, like when Kenny Pickett came in and, uh, just, just the first time of just having Steelers football on the field, man, it was just, it, it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, you can go other places and I'm sure it's similar, like Lambeau field and, you know, football towns, but something about Pittsburgh is it's, it's just a really, uh, you gotta, I can't, nothing that I will say. We'll do it justice. Put it that way. No, I, 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 uh, I, I definitely think you're right about that because I go to my friend is a big Steelers fan. So every time that the Steelers play at MetLife against the Jets, we always go. And the Steelers, I've said it for years, are the most well-traveled fans in the NFL. So you know they they literally are everywhere. So I definitely agree with you with that. Where I think they are the world's team when it comes when it comes to football. I definitely think that they are considered yeah. the world's team. One of the one of the other questions I had is uh, I'm a huge college football fan. And one of my favorite players in college football the last couple of years was George Pickens. Now, I think it was shocking that George Pickens even fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he fell in a perfect situation for the most part. What what are your I don't want to say expectations. What do you think George Pickens will do in his rookie year? How do you think adding him will maybe affect the passing game? Like, do you think he'll take targets away from Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool? What kind of role do you think George Pickens will play this year? I mean, I think just from seeing him in person at practice, and I think that, and people call me crazy, and I, you know, I think that he could win rookie of the year. I literally, um, I've actually never seen any, and I think that so the reason I followed him is because my uncle is a Georgia Bulldogs fan, has season tickets every time we go down to it, like I've you know, that the whole shebang. So when we drafted him, I think that we people were hesitant because of the ACL injury. I think that that's why he wasn't drafted. Like everyone's like, oh, this receiver was the best. I'm like, he literally got the best receiver in the draft, like hands down. Like I was shocked when he when when he fell too because I'm like okay an ACL injury but for a receiver he should be able to you know re rehabilitate that pretty fast and you know, you, you know people, I mean it, it does I think as far as like defense because you have to backpedal more and play more you know on your on your feet per se um, but for a wide receiver to come back I think that that's an injury that they could heal from but it's I mean dude I'm telling you I seen him at practice I mean he's everyone's attention you and then you honestly forget 
that like the Steelers have Chase Claypool, Kelvin Austin, you know, Deontay Johnson, like, and you, and you wonder like Juju Juju's a great player, man. Great Steeler. Um, but losing him really wasn't like that, like for the talent that they have, it's just, mm-hmm. so I say, you know, I, I'm not being a homer or anything. I mean, I, I think he could have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and be up for, if not win rookie of the year, I think that he'll be in the name, you know, for it, as long as the offensive line holds up for us. But uh, yeah, I mean, the dude reminds me of AB, like rookie AB, like I, like AB vibes, which AB is crazy, but he was one of the all time, if not the all-time greatest Steelers receiver. And it was it was amazing. It was amazing to watch it. To I mean, the Killer Bees even, you know, the, I, we should have won multiple Super Bowls uh, with, with them. But uh, unfortunately, you know, egos and whatever got in the way. And it wasn't Pittsburgh Steelers football, so it wasn't meant to be. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it was as, as far as like a fan watching, a, a fan of just football in general. I mean, that, that era of Steelers. I mean, it was insane, dude. It, it was, it was people like our, our team, like they had, they, they had an all pro team basically on offense. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Uh, yeah. You think if yeah. everyone even forgets about how good their offensive line was, I mean, David DeCastro was yeah. a, a multiple time all pro guard as well, that they just had a fantastic offensive line to go with the all pros all over the field. I definitely agree with you when it comes to, Pickens, I, I've said it in, in past episodes and even in, in YouTube videos that I think that George Pickens has a, a almost, I don't want to say a lock, but he can get a thousand yards and close to 10 touchdowns for sure. I, I feel like he's that guy that he took it personal. He took it real personal when he was drafted in the second round. I think he's going to play with that chip on his shoulder. And he was, it's crazy because he wasn't one of the fastest wide receivers in the class, but he still ran like a four, four, three, which is yeah, best. And not only that, he was probably the smoothest route runner in the draft as well. So I think he's definitely going to play on, with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to do really, really good things for um, Pittsburgh. And one of the last questions I had for you was, I mean, kind of just like a fanfare question. I mean, TJ Watt just lights up the NFL every single game, every single year, you know, almost broke the sack record last year. And he played in 15 games last year, right? He played in 15 games last yeah. year. So if he could play in a full 17-game season, do you think that he breaks the sack record? Oh, I mean, easily. Like, I, I laugh, like, on Twitter when I, like, see, like, like him and Miles Garrett being even in the same sentence. Like, it's just like – and I'm not being, like – like, the stats where people will be like, you're just a Steeler fan. I'm like, okay, Miles Garrett's good. He's not TJ Watt. I'll be honest with you. And I might get a lot of slack for this, but Aaron Donald isn't TJ Watt. Like, if there was an overall, like, uh, it's two different positions, though. <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but I'm saying, like, overall, like, that's what I mean. I get mad when people say that Cam Hayward isn't in the same sentence as Aaron Donald. I mean, it, it's just, it's just like I don't know, man. The Steelers from the media don't don't get a lot of love. That that's what I was yeah. getting at. Um, but I mean, as far as like. But the Miles Garrett, like when I see that graphic, I'm kind of just like, is this is this real? Like it's like, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, he was injured last year and still got like, you know, everything, all the accolades. And it was funny because I was at the game when Chris Wormley had the three sacks on. I don't know. I don't was I don't even think Lamar was playing. I think it was Tyler Tyler Huntley or mm-hmm. yeah, whoever it was. But he no, I think it was Lamar. 
play, he got three and a half sacks and they gave the other half a sack to TJ. So like every time like we talk on our show, we always tease him and be like, yeah, TJ still owes you that, that half a sack for the sack record. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was just, you know, just a little ongoing joke, but yeah, yeah, man. I mean, we're excited this year. We have, we have a lot of good stuff like the sick podcast, you know, we're, we just talked to Adam rank of NFL network and we have a bunch of, you know, just awesome things. So make sure you follow us, the sick podcast. And then we still have the are crazy. We're putting out original stories. Um, we have a team of awesome writers and, uh, you know, we cover all sports. It's not just football, penguin Steelers pit, um, you know, fantasy, wh- whatever you have it, like sure a lot, like you guys. And like I said, uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm just on my way to Akershore stadium. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. Football's back. I mean, I think when we were younger, like the summer, like, because you were off school, it, it like meant so much more. Now it's like, we're adults and it's just like work, yeah, work, work old, which, yeah. which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. But, um, everything's everything's good it's just i i don't i don't want Steeler fans to get too worried um like i said overall tj watts the best defense on the defensive side at any position that's i'm just saying that right now um and and, and i'm a big aaron donald fan he 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 went to local high school here and and, and watched him play at pitt he's awesome um but tj watt is I don't even, I think, what, is he like 27 or 20? Like his best, I mean, I don't even know if he's reached his peak yet Mm -hmm. is, is, is what, is what I'm getting at. So if he's being talked about with the best in the league now, what are we going to be when he's 30 years old? It's hopefully that he he gets the respect that he deserves because it's, it's insane. Like everyone like talks about generational players, but when you get to watch one, you know, up close and personal for your own team. I think that that alone from the wins and losses, I think that that's uh, just a blessing in itself. So, yeah, we'll uh, hope for a good game and another win. We'll go undefeated in the preseason for what it's worth and just get ready. I mean, this is this is dress rehearsal, so. Absolutely. Jordan, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast yeah. and you know the fact that you even were dedicated enough to do it in the car on your way to the stadium uh, yeah, means I wasn't a lot gonna to miss well, it. man. I wasn't gonna miss it. I'll always I'll, I'm always down to talk Steelers football and um yeah man I mean I'll keep it keep up the good work with your guys' podcast. I'll be checking it out and uh yeah, just whatever you want to have me on, just give me a holler. Hopefully I won't be driving to the stadium and I'll be <laughs> in a nice lighted room and everything. But I appreciate you bearing with me. And yeah, just make sure you subscribe to us. Um, we're, we're, again, I, I don't like to give too much away, but we have a lot of cool things in the works. Um, just giveaways from, you know, signed jerseys to just, you know, awesome guests, insiders. And, you know, with the Chris Wormley and friends, me and Mike are giving everyone a chance to get into the Steelers locker room and really, you know, ask questions, you know, about guys who are actually in there and getting their take and not, you know, that's something that we kind of pride ourselves on is just, you know, giving, giving real journalism, tell, letting, letting the players tell it how it is because everyone can, sp- I'm an opinion guy. Cool. Like I, I can have different opinions with people sure. and we shake hands and go about our day. But really, it's a blessing, I think, to be able to talk to someone like Chris and have the guests that we have on, like former Steelers, and uh, knack their brain because they were there. Like, they they experience it. They're not, like, from the outside looking in. Like, they were in. So I think that that's the coolest thing about what we get to do. 
and uh, just, you know, just learn and, and get insight. It's constant. You can never learn. My mom always told me you never, never stop learning. So that's, uh, that's what it's all about. But I appreciate you guys having me and just let me know anytime I'll come on. Definitely going to take you up on that, man. I'm going to link everything down below. Uh, obviously, we're going to do an audio version, but I'm going to do the video version on YouTube as well. So I'll link all your accounts and everything down below. You guys are doing a great job over there. I sampled a ton of your stuff yesterday and the day before just to kind of get an idea of what this was going to be like. But you guys do a great job, and I can't wait to see what you guys got going on. So thank you again, Jordan, for coming on. Really appreciate uh, it. I appreciate it. Anytime. And best of luck to you guys. I'll see you soon. Go Steelers. Yes. Enjoy the game, man. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode eight of the ASN podcast. It's good to be back. Last week, I was not part of the Chris Myers interview. I was very, very upset about that. We also couldn't run an episode after that. Uh, that's on me. I, I had work. I was working midnights, and I, I was just all over the place, getting off of work at seven o'clock in the morning. And it, it just, I wouldn't have been myself. I would have been a zombie. But um, if you're just tuning in, obviously, you listened to Jordan York before this. So thank you very much for him coming on. He had a lot to say. Uh, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. I hope to have him back and maybe in a setting where he's not in the car. He did apologize for that, but that's always okay. The fact that he took the time out of his day to even talk to me was awesome. So I hope to get him back on at some point, but daily Dan, how's everything been going? Pretty good. I'm, I'm sorry. I missed Jordan, but, um, I was really happy to do the interview with Chris Myers last week. He's somebody I consider a friend now. He's so personable. Uh, he's been doing this for, for 20 years, calling NFL games. And uh, as you heard during the intro of that episode, calling everything else. Uh, so he's extremely knowledgeable. But, you know, I, I think that what, what's most enjoyable about talking to him and listening to him is that he's a fan just like us. He really is. Yeah. I mean, he explained it during the episode. But he, he said if he wasn't doing this professionally, he'd be doing exactly uh, what me and you were doing and following the games, you know, following teams, you know, knowing who's who's going to play who. It's uh, it's really cool uh, to talk to him and to hear from him from a fan perspective. Uh, so I, I hope everybody enjoyed that last week. We're going to try to get some cool guests going forward. I, I'm sorry I missed Jordan today, but um, hopefully we'll have him back on at some point and I can get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, when the Steelers are 0-8 after uh, <laughs> eight weeks, we'll have him on. And no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, it was super cool to talk to Jordan. He's, he's a fan, like like a, like a super fan, just like me and you, so... That was really cool to get a fan's perspective of the Steelers and not so much of a of a one-sided, biased perspective. In some areas he was, but other than that, you know, you know, he he was pretty good and even keel. So that was super cool to talk to him. I'm glad that he took the time out. But Dan, this is this is a little bit of a uh this is a little bit of a light topic discussion this week. We don't have too much on the slate. There wasn't really too much going on. Um it's funny because if you guys just listened to me talk to Jordan York, he mentioned at the end Aaron Donald. And that is something that Dan and I definitely wanted to bring up, the fact that Aaron Donald, uh, you know, he trains with knives apparently, but now he's swinging helmets in practice. So I, I don't know what's going on. But, I mean, these joint practices are getting out of hand. There is a fight every single time the joint practices are going on. Yeah, it's an, it's an every year thing now. It feels like that that it's not just one or two fights uh, in practice, I, I know there's some some famous ones out there. I think D'Angelo Hall got into a pretty serious one. I don't know if that was with oh, the with, Texans with or something. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what it was. Maybe 2014 or something like that. Um, that but great. you know, all of a sudden now, like that used to be a, a once in a while thing. Now you see it 
uh, every day that they're doing these joint practices. Um, yeah, so the bit the big one this week was Aaron Donald swinging. I think not one, but but two helmets. Oh yeah, uh, he was dual wielding helmets. Oh yeah, yeah he, there there's a good a good still photo. I don't know if you remember the the picture from the home run derby with the or no from the All Star game when in baseball when Giancarlo Stanton hit the ball and the ball looked like it was almost dented because how hard mm-hmm. he was hitting it. There's a still picture of Aaron Donald hitting somebody with the the Bengals helmet, and the helmet almost looks like it's folding in half. Like it it's, looks like it's being crushed by, I don't know, the guy's head, whoever he was, whatever other helmet he was hitting with that helmet. Um, but, you know, the, we, we, we laugh about it. We joke about it. But there were some people on Twitter this week saying, why isn't he being punished the way yeah. Miles Garrett was? Yeah, I, I mean, well, right away people are going to say, oh, well, you know, it was just an enjoyed practice. It wasn't in a regular season game. But, I, I mean, that doesn't really matter to me. I think there should be – at least a fine, at least like a hefty fine, if you're going to start swinging helmets, because you're really, really endangering people around you. Like that was the, <laughs> I just always think back to when, I mean, I remember watching that live and being like, what the actual fuck is going on when Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph in the head with the helmet? Thank God he didn't hit him with the crown or he probably would have killed him. It would have been a different discussion yeah. now. But I mean, when you're dual wielding helmets and and you're you're trying to crack people in the head, like you, there's got to be some type of punishment. And I'm sure that Roger Goodell is afraid of Aaron Donald, like the rest of civilization is. But I, you got to do something. That's that's not okay. And I know I sound, I probably sound like an old fart saying something like that. But you know, you're one of the faces of the league. You can't be doing things like that. You just can't be doing that, mate. You just can't be doing that. I mean, well, apparently the NFL doesn't police these practices. So that was like the, the counter argument is that like, look, the NFL does not handle discipline for practices, even joint practice. They don't handle yeah. discipline at all anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but that's the thing is I think that the counter argument to that is like you're the NFL. You could do whatever you want. You know, if you want to start today handing out punishments for uh, infractions during these practices, like who's gonna who's gonna say no? You're you're allowed to start that whenever you want. Maybe that maybe the players association can fight it uh, if they want. If you want to go down that road, but if you're in the NFL, I think you can hand out whatever you want under the the personal conduct policy. Um, and look, the difference, like I should have mentioned this before, the difference, of course, is Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph with his own helmet, which means he hit his his head, he hit his bare head. Yeah. Like that's a problem. You know, there's a reason why these guys wear helmets. <laughs> You're not supposed to be hitting the head, the bare head with the helmet. This time, Aaron Donald was slapping guys who had helmets on uh, with, with helmets. But, you know, it, it's still not – it's not something the NFL wants. And you would think the NFL has the ability to step in. Uh, and like you said, they're probably afraid of Aaron Donald. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, we I all think are. What, I, think, I think what the Rams said is that they're going to handle it internally and it's not going to be disclosed. And if you're the Rams, you got to be afraid of Aaron Donald too. This guy almost retired. In February. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to do anything to upset him. I know he got paid and he, he's happy with that. But I'm sorry. If I'm, the, if I'm the Rams and you leave it up to me to discipline him, I'm, I'm not, not doing anything. It. Not doing it. Nope. Win me another Super Bowl. Not disciplining him. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, I look, that's a good point that you bring up because, I mean, obviously, if you think about it, like, I don't think Aaron Donald, in in the grand scheme of things, I don't think he's going to turn around and be like, "Well, you know what? I could retire right now if you want to. If you want to discipline me, you know, I don't think he's going to do that." But you're definitely right about the, you know, like the Rams are, are, are I don't want to say on thin ice, but they're they're treading lightly when it comes to anything that involves Aaron Donald not sacking the opposing quarterback. Uh, you know, like it. 
they they want to tread lightly, and I definitely agree with you on that. But I mean, the 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 optics from that practice were just wild. And can I ask you a question, Dan? Who thought that a joint practice between the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams, who were just in the Super Bowl against each other, and obviously one team has to win and one team has to lose, who thought that that was going to be emotionally a good idea? But you know what? I mean. He, I feel like there's a lot of blame going on people for scheduling these joint practices. Why is there no blame for guys not being able to control themselves in practice? Like you can, for the most part, you know, uh, Miles Garrett aside, these guys control themselves in games. Of course, like games are emotional. You know, of course, uh, a matchup between the two Super Bowl teams that just played is going to be a little, going to be a little emotional or at least a little intense. Um, but you know these are these are grown men. I, mean, I understand they they are emotional, but when they play each other in games, they're able to mostly control themselves. Miles Garrett aside, I, I know that practices are are a week long thing, and you're spending more time on the field with these guys, and you're going at it constantly. But why 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 do we not blame the players for not being able to control themselves and control their behavior? You know, if, if you put two college teams on, on a field for a week and have them go at each other in practice, I get it. You know, Ohio State and Michigan uh, probably can't do that. Not a good idea. But, you know, you, you've got these two NFL teams. Aaron Donald is over 30 years old. You're telling me he, he's not able to control himself against uh, some other grown men just practicing football for a week? It was probably I, like a fourth I, I, stringer, I, I, too. It probably wasn't even someone that had any relevance. It was probably right. some guy that's going to get cut and it's working fucking Burger King in two weeks. You know, <laughs> you know. I so I, I don't think it's like you know. I know Richard Sherman tweeted something about it and talking about how you know maybe these joint practices aren't a good idea. I, I just don't understand it. How can you not control yourself facing another team in a practice setting? It's not even a setting where where things are on the line. Besides, you know, some roster spots are on the line, but not for a guy like yeah, but Aaron Donald isn't on the roster bubble. No, I hope not. <laughs> He's got no excuse. You know, the year D'Angelo Hall and DeAndre Hopkins got into it, they had no excuse. They weren't on the roster bubble. Why are you not able to keep yourself in check? Uh, you know, and if you're saying like, oh, well, I was instigated by the other guy. Well, then why is the other guy not able to keep himself in check? The, the yeah. players at some point have to be blamed a little bit for this. It's not the, up to whoever's uh, scheduling these. You know, I think joint practices are very helpful. You get some, you know, a lot of these guys aren't playing in the preseason or at least playing very minimally. It allows somebody yeah. like Aaron Donald to get some one-on-one action with somebody who's not on his own team. I think there's some value to it. But now I, I don't understand the people who are like, oh, why are you scheduling these two teams? You know, control yourselves. Be an adult. Be able to play football against somebody else in a practice setting with nothing on the line uh, without, being able, without having an outburst. No, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're definitely right about that. Yeah, they, I, I know we sound very old farty when we say things like that, but, you know, it, it's true. And like I said before, especially with, especially talking about Aaron Donald, you're one of the faces of the league. You are one of the most well-known players in the NFL. It's not optically and, you know, from a business standpoint, it's not really a good look if you're swinging hel- – if you're wielding helmets <laughs> on the practice field. You know, I, I don't think it's a good look, but, I mean <sighs> – what are you going to do? They're going to – thank God that the joint practices are over. I think that the Falcons and the Jets had a fight too, and then it was like the Giants, whoever they were joint practicing with, they were fighting. I mean, it's just like every report comes out. I honestly think it's comical at this point that it's just like there's always a fight breaking out on, on a joint practice. I think, I think it's funny, honestly. But 
you know, you, you mentioned before that these players have to keep themselves in check. And you said the word check. And someone this week got a very big check. This is the best <laughs> transition we've ever had. Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez. Got like the biggest, weirdest check I have ever seen in my life. It's it's like very, very strange for baseball. Very strange. It's really not, I don't even know the full details. So like bear with me, but it's not something you see really. Really all you have to know, I I, I remember because I read all of Jeff Passan's tweets about this and it is the most utterly ridiculously like strung out contract ever. So the base of the contract for the extension that he signed, it takes an effect from the moment that he signed it, actually. So it's the rest of this year counts as one year. So it's really a seven-year deal. So it's an eight-year, $120 million deal. <laughs> the Seattle Mariners have a club option to sign him after the eight years for another 10 years and $350 million on top of that, based on the way that his MVP voting pans out so like a lot of what he makes in the second half of this contract is based off of how well he performs in the mvp race it's extremely strange i don't know what athlete do you know is willing to sign an 18 year 470 million dollar contract if you really really want to get that i gotta i gotta see what the average annual value of that is that's something uh, that i didn't do i i know it, you know it sounds 470 million sounds like a lot but 18 years is a long time and you can't tell me, okay, I just did that math way wrong. I, it, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Bear with me. Uh, 470. Math is hard. Divided by 18. So it's $26 million a year. Now, you mean to tell me, okay, so after the eight years, he's going to be 28, 29 years old, just coming off of making $120 million. If he wants to sign, if they want to sign him for that 10-year, $35 million extension. If he's going on the route that we think that he is going in his career, do you really think in eight years he's not going to be worth more than $35 million a season, especially with the way that contracts are going? So I can't see this, I can't see this deal panning out to the point where he's going to spend 18 years of his career in Seattle. I just I can't see that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very tough to. I would say that these these MVP finishes, even if he's a fantastic player, um, I, I'm looking at it here and it says if if Rodriguez earns two MVP awards by 2028 or finishes among the top five in voting four times by 2028, the deal would boost to 469.6 million. That that's tough to get. That, that, that's where I see it as a, a little bit team friendly because. You know, you could be a tremendous player and still not finish uh, top four, top five in MVP voting four times, and I guess that would be six years because he's not going to do it this year. You yeah. know, all it takes is like you could be a, a phenomenal player, and all it takes is one injury or two uh, to to not finish up there. I think that's extremely hard to get to reach, uh, yep. no matter what kind you of know, player he is. The way that I see it is, this seems like a very Ronald Acuna esque signing by the Seattle Mariners, where I feel like, you remember, what was it, a seven-year, $100 million deal that Acuna signed a couple of years ago. Same thing, Albie signed like a six-year, $36 million. They fleeced both of them. They fleeced yeah. both of them. But this does not seem like an 18-year contract extension to me. This seems like an eight-year contract where the parameters of the 10-year, $350 million extension are so preposterous 
that Julio Rodriguez, unless he becomes a Mike Trout-like player, is not going to be able to reach those numbers. So really, we're looking at Julio Rodriguez hitting free agency around age 29. So that's really what it seems like to me, where it's just really an eight-year extension, and the 10-year extension is so inconceivably far away from being in reach that that you know what? They could have been like, you know what? We're going to give you a 10-year, $600 million extension, but you have to win the MVP three times before you hit 29. Like, they could they could have made it a billion, a trillion. You know what I mean? He's not going to hit it. And I, I think Julio Rodriguez is a, is a fantastic player, and he's only going to get better. He is not going to finish in the top five MVP voting four times from now to, to 2029 or 2028, whatever it is. It, it's It's – it's hard. It's very hard, like you yeah, just said. But you essentially have to be Mike Trout to do that because that's what he did. You know, it, the the other one is he can win. I mentioned it before. He can win two MVP awards before then. That's you not going to happen. That Bryce Harper did it six years apart. He won two MVPs, and Mike Trout won. Uh, what is it? Three, four, three. I think, I think three. three MVPs. So th- those are the only two guys, in, you know, in this era of baseball that have done something like that, including the four top five finishes. I don't even think Bryce Harper has finished top five four times even though he's won two. I think the only two times that he finished in the, the top five yeah. is when he won the MVP both yeah, times. He, he had a really good year in 2017. I wonder where he finished that year. And uh, this year he probably would have, you know, but if not for the I injury, think he would have won the MVP again if he didn't. He, if he, he wasn't going to get like injured. he was trending that way because he usually gets better as the year goes on. But, you know, aside from Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, what kind of guys do this? I mean, you know, I, I think of maybe like, you know, maybe if you're Julio, you're hoping you could be like a Jose Ramirez or Jose Ramirez finds himself in that conversation every year. He's never like going to an MVP, but he's always in the four or five range. And, you know, if Julio stays healthy, you never know. And, you you know, you can see that those incentives hit, uh, but it's very hard and you've got to avoid injury and all that. Um, you know, not that it's a, it's a terrible thing for him. I mean, he's going to, you know, like you said, worst case scenario, what he ends up a free agent at 29. I mean that. Yeah, and 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 if he becomes half of the player that we think he's going to become, he's in for a very lucrative contract, regardless of. So think about it's 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 a can't miss for Julio Rodriguez because right now you're 21 years old. Let me let me see what the optics of that first extension are. So uh, again, math is hard. Give me one second. So right now he's making 15 million dollars a year until 29. Think about it like this. Aaron Judge, who just turned 30, hasn't even hit free agency yet. And how many, what is he, two, the last two years he's made over $15 million? You know what I'm saying? You're, he's yeah, 21. He's a lot through arbitration. Making over, 15, making over $15 million. And then he's going to hit free agency at 29, which is still basically in your prime. I feel like I feel like, for, like your, your physical prime for baseball is anywhere between like 27 and like 33, I feel like. Once you get past like 33, you know, you, you start to go. So like he's in his prime. He's going to make a lot of money. It's an, and the best part is if he say it's a five year contract worth I don't know what what are contracts going to be by then. It'll probably be fifty million dollars a year. So you know two hundred and fifty million dollars he'll he'll get. I think it's a it's a can't lose either either way because wh- whether I think if he's trending in the right direction and he does earn that extension, he'll still be making thirty five million dollars a year, which is a twenty million dollar upgrade on what he's making now. But then again, what are contracts going to look like in 2029? You know, who knows? Maybe it'll be $70 million a year by, by then. You know, so yeah, I think it's a can't lose either way. If he becomes the player that we think he's going to, he could earn 35, uh, you know, and maybe he, maybe they don't pick it up. Maybe the Seattle Mariners are so God awful by then that they're like, we can't afford, we can't afford to pay this guy $35 million. I think it's a brilliant piece of business on both ends, honestly. I know it's confusing if you really, really read the, 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 
you know, the details of the contract, but as a 21 year old to get paid $15 million for here until you're 29, you know, that's a nice little safety nest, whatever. Uh, and then you don't have to pay basically your biggest star. That's not named Logan uh, Gilbert or George Kirby, you know, not that much money. That is not, that's like an average player salary. I feel like 15 million is what DJ LeMahieu is making, you know? Right. And the, the difference here is Julio would be making close to nothing for the next two or three years. Um, I think it's two yeah. years because he started the season on the roster. Uh, so he he would be he would have been a free agent after 2027 because he's playing this full mm-hmm. season. But for through 2024, he probably would have been making close to nothing. Uh, so that's the yeah, trade off. So you know, right away you get a huge you get a huge upgrade right away. Yeah, he's gaining about yeah. you know if he's making 30 million the next two years, 2023 and 2024, that's about 28 million more than he would have made. I, I remember yeah. when Pete Alonso won the Homer Derby the first time. Uh, people were talking about how that was the one million he won was more than his salary because you know yeah. rookies don't make not rookies but players on the rookie contracts don't make any kind of money really until they hit arbitration in in what is often year four. Uh, so you know that that's the trade off is even though it's fifteen million a year he would have been making vir- virtually nothing yeah uh, in these two years. But I, I got to say I'm reading through this Jeff uh, Jeff Passan. Twitter thread, and I, I'm still confused. I mean, he, he leads off with that the deal could be eight, eight, 13, 16, or 18 years. You just yeah. you don't see this in baseball. You see options, right? You see player options. You see mutual options. You see team options. You see incentives. You do not see, uh, you know, an entire like double contract like the, this one extension top toppled on another extension that could be hit through these various ways. It, it's insane. yeah. It's, uh, it's it's something that we've never seen before, and I feel like this isn't the last time that we've seen something like this. I feel like this is a route that a lot of teams are going to take when it comes to their young budding superstars because, you know, I'd rather lock – say, like, you know, Anthony Volpe comes up, and he's an absolute stud, you know, and he, he is everything that we thought he was and more. I'll wrap him up for 10 years for $150 million because over time that's less than you're going to pay him anyway if he hits free agency. So. I think on the team side, it's a smart piece of business. I think it is a smart piece of business on the player side as well because nothing is guaranteed. You could go out there and hit seven home runs in a game and then tear your ACL and never play another game ever again, and you're not getting paid. At least now, those young guys who don't hit uh, who don't hit the requirements for free agency until after six years are already getting paid much more money than other guys. So I think I think it's it's a smart piece of business either way for for both the MLB, the players, and the team, then the organizations. I think it's really a can't can lose either way. I, I think it's something you you might see a lot of small to medium markets try out. I, I would say I would say Seattle's more of a medium market. They do spend money. They're not like the A's. They're not the Guardians. Uh, but you know, you could see these teams that don't have endless money saying, "Look, uh, we're willing to pay you. You know, we want to keep you around for a long time, uh, but we're going to give you a contract that pays you in a way that we know you're producing." You know, so like, you know, with this contract for Rodriguez, it's it's basically like you can get all this money, but you're only going to get all this money, you know, maximum money if you are producing yeah. like uh, an MVP or at least like a perennial All Star, because I guess that's what a top five MVP finisher would be. Yeah. So you could see you could see a team like Cleveland. I know they gave out their extension to Jose Ramirez already, but you know if they wanted to extend somebody like Shane Bieber, saying like, "Look, we'll give you this money. We want to keep you around here. You're very important to what we're building, uh, but it's going to be mostly incentive based. And if you pitch the way you've been pitching, uh, you're going to get paid like uh, an ace. Uh, 
you yeah. know, but but essentially we have an out if you if you are not pitching that way. Uh, so you know, you could see a lot of a lot of medium medium to small markets uh, kind of go that route and say, look, we're willing to spend the money, but it cannot be it cannot we're going to do it so that it doesn't become this albatross contract where you're injured or you're not producing and we can't get out of it. Speaking of a young budding superstar, we unfortunately won't get to see a young budding superstar on the hardwood this year. And Chet Holmgren. Yeah, Chet, I mean, it's it's very unfortunate. And for some reason, you know, it's something you, you see happen a lot in the NBA now with Blake Griffin missed his entire rookie year. Yeah, Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel yeah. Embiid missed two, two seasons. Uh, and Ben Simmons, of course, he, he, well, ben he broke sucks. his foot. He broke his foot, right. You know, but we didn't get a chance to see him. And then he, he did make an instant impact as soon as he came in. Uh, his, his real rookie year, obviously, he won that Rookie of the Year award very infamously when a lot of people didn't think he should have. And we may see that scenario with Chet Holmgren in 2023-24 that he could be a Rookie of the Year without having played the first year after he was drafted. You know, I'm going to say something right now. And uh, anyone who's a huge NBA fan, feel free to prove me wrong, Dan, whatever you want to say. I... He just screams. I, I said this to someone that I work with, and he's like, "How are you going to say that already?" He just screams like a bust to me. Like I look at him, and I'm like, "You're." He looks like a worse Kristaps Porzingis to me. Like, especially frame wise. I know that you know he could score at will for the most part, but he's seven foot one, 142 pounds. Like he's just going to get bodied all the time, and I feel like injuries are going to be a real problem for him because I feel like his he's too big for his weight. He looks like one of those guys that just like can't put on weight to fill out that frame. I feel like he's going to be very brittle throughout his career. And this is obviously the start of, of something that I hope doesn't become a trend. But, you know, you look at him and you look at his body type, it, it seems like something that's going to be a, a common trend with Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I think injuries were always the concern. You know, people have been talking about this ever since he set foot on the floor at Gonzaga, that, that his frame just might not allow for him to have – uh, to, let's say to reach his full potential in the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we've seen that with Porzingis. I'm not sure there's been a year besides maybe his rookie year where he wasn't hurt uh, in a significant way, too. And, you know, Chet Holmgren is, is even thinner than, than That's Chris Porzingis. He looks, he looks more lanky and, and more fragile, even than Porzingis looked as a rookie. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's always that concern. I have to say, you know, watching him play in college, uh, he didn't look like, a number one pick, and obviously he didn't he didn't become a number one pick either. He looked like he had a lot of work to do. Uh, and then watching him play in the summer league, even though he had some highs and some some real lows, uh, he looked like a guy who might transition better to the NBA than than he than college. He might be better suited to play among the guys in the NBA, even though they they play harder. Uh, it yeah. seems like his game is very well suited for the modern NBA. Obviously, in the summer league, he he kind of lit everybody up with blocks. Uh, he was shooting threes and he was making them. And if he can, if you can do that and block shots, like you're good, you know, you're, you're set. You could play. Oh, oh um, yeah. Well, I mean, but doesn't that eerily sound like the, the archetype that we just saw with Chris Tapsporzingis where he could shoot from the outside and he could block shots. Now look at Chris. I mean, yeah, I, mean I guess, I guess considering like what an NBA career is like, if you're, if you're a lottery pick, you're basically expected to be good. And then outside of that, it's really a crap shoot. I guess from an NBA standpoint, he's had a fine career so far, but like it hasn't been anything spectacular. Like, no, I, I think I think he's probably exceeded expectations in terms of 
the expectations were nothing when he came in. You know, he was booed yeah, exactly. mercilessly, really, just because he was European and unknown. Uh, but he he has he you know the injuries have been what it is. If he didn't have this rash of injuries every year, I do wonder if he could become uh, an all star. You know, at least if not a perennial all star, at least once in a while. Um, yeah, I, I I would say though that I, I I think Chet I think what he showed in the summer league he he did look like kind of a unicorn, a unicorn type talent. He looked like somebody where it was almost like listen maybe maybe don't overthink him if you're looking for who to pick for rookie of the year. Um, yeah. you know, or, or, or who to pick for, you know, who might end up having the best career out of this, you know, injuries aside. Uh, I, I think it, it's, it's a shame that we won't get to experience it at least for another year. I think what we got to see though, with Ben Simmons is, you know, even if you have to wait a year, uh, sometimes these guys come out and do live up to their potential. I know Ben Simmons hasn't been lately, well, he hasn't played lately at all, but he hasn't been lately what we hoped he might be. Uh, but yeah. his rookie year, even after missing that year, he came out and he did play very well and he made an instant impact. Joel Embiid missed two years. Some guys thought he'd never play ever because, you know, if you miss two years with a foot injury, I mean, that's the expectation. It's like there yeah, are. Yeah, and no you're seven injuries. foot. Yeah, exactly. You know. and you're seven foot. And not only has he played near an MVP level, uh, but he's mostly avoided similar injuries. He's had a few injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, he had the. He Nothing had the, crazy, though. But they've been they've been kind of weird injuries. He had the eye issue. He had a back issue. You know, the, the foot has not been the issue. So hopefully, you know, Chet comes back, and if the foot isn't an issue, you know, he can play 70, 65 or 70 games a year, may have to deal with some issues, you know, here and there with his back or his legs. Uh, but hopefully we can see him play like the unicorn he is because he really is such a unique talent and that – you yeah. know, it, it, I think he showed it in the summer league that that there's a lot of potential still there. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that there's potential there, but you know, I I just feel like we're we're trending dangerously towards a Kristaps Porzingis type player. But I know you wanted to mention another thing too, and this guy, I'm he's just he's on my nerves. He's on my shit list. <laughs> I I just want to not hear about Kevin Durant anymore. I mean. The fact that I guess this is – it's squashed until the point where from next week we hear that he wants out again. I mean, as of right now, he's staying. But I feel like we've heard this once or twice before that he's staying. But, I mean, just make up your mind, dude. Like, And just come out just come out and say that you're the father of Lana Rhodes' child, too. I mean, <laughs> let's, just, let's just do that. I mean, come on. Like, we all know it's you, dude. Like, come, come on. <laughs> this is like – this is the NBA's – version of the Tom Brady thing that happened in the NFL. You know, Tom, you know, Tom Brady's annoying for everybody except for like super Tom Brady fans like me uh, and, and and you. <laughs> and then, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's out and then he's like, all right, guys, I'm back in. And th that's exactly what's going on with Kevin Durant. You know, the first day it's, uh, you know, I'm out. And uh, he, of course, he didn't say it publicly, but uh, it was very clear that he wanted out. And then all, the Nets were already looking for trades. They were already talking to teams uh, and all of a sudden, it's oh well, I'm back in. All because the, the the Rudy Gobert trade threw off the Nets' chances of getting you know whatever they what they consider yeah. to be fair value. Uh, you know the the difference is we haven't heard a thing from Kevin Durant about his status with the Nets. You know I I believe it. I believe he's coming back because the Nets put out a statement. It's not a report, uh, but we haven't heard anything from Durant that's like, hey guys, I'm I'm back in. I want to win a championship with the Nets. Yeah. No, it, it seems very reluctant. Uh, which which kind of leads me to believe this situation is not over. It's, it's not over. It's definitely not over. And, uh, you know, Joe Sy and Sean Marks being strong personalities that they are, it, it's only going to get worse. 
I mean, like, like it, it's just a clashing of alpha personalities between the three of them. Obviously, two are on one side, and then it's KD. But you know, everyone forgets about the X factor in this, and that's Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So, and to be honest, um, we don't. We still don't know if if Kyrie Irving is is he the reason he wanted out? You know, because it that happened like two days after Kyrie Irving said that he was in. All of a sudden, Kevin yes. Durant wants out. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. Like, does he not want to play with Kyrie? Does he, you know, is is part of his return going to be, is there a quiet request that they work to trade Kyrie? We have no idea what even the reason is for him wanting to be out other than I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, it, it's something that needs to be monitored over the next, like, because I, I feel like the past, like, three weeks or, or a month or two months, every once in a while we've heard something about this. So, like you said, I feel like this isn't over. It's good to touch on it because I feel like this is not the like it ended too quickly for me to, to for me not to be worried. Like, well, how, do you, how do you go to the owner and say, "Listen, and th- this is what this is not what he said. This is a report, but it's it was basically confirmed because Joe Sai put out a statement, uh, essentially confirming it a few hours later. He went to Joe Sai and said, "Look, it's either trade me or get rid of Sean Marks and Steve Nash." How do you go back to the team? How do you play for a coach that you that it's very clear you went to the owner and said fire him if you want to keep me, and all of a sudden you're back playing for him? It's just I think we could agree. I, I think that we could agree that Steve Nash was a better player than he is coach, though. Yeah, listen, you know, Steve Nash. I'd love to see him get a shot with the with a, a young team that he can develop with. Yeah, but it's not happening. So you know, listen, a year from now, is Steve Nash going to be their coach? I don't think so. I just don't see how yeah. you make this work. Kevin Durant might not be on the team either a year from now, but I, I don't see how you go back and play for a coach that you very clearly said you want fired. It It's not going to work. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say on this is I remember when the Nets basically traded their entire future for Jason Terry, Paul Pierce, <laughs> and Kevin Garnett, and I thought there's no way that they could ever make this this decision again and not come away with a championship. And now they've had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and now Ben Simmons on the same team. And I still feel like when it's all said and done, they'll all have nothing to show for it. And I think they hear you though. When they, when the reason why they didn't trade Kevin Durant is because they wanted what five or six first round picks. They were looking, they were looking to get what they gave up for. Absolutely. It's a different front office, but they were looking to get what they once gave up for Garnett and for Paul Pierce and Jason Terry. They want that kind of haul that helped turn the Celtics into what they are today. Not gonna get uh, and when they didn't get it, they were stuck. And so, you know, it's there are worse problems than being stuck with Kevin Durant, but right now they are yeah. stuck. And I, I don't think the situation is going to end happening. No. Ladies and gentlemen, DT5000, that's going to be your, your new nickname from now I'll on. That's your, that's your email, right? I'm not crazy, right? No, it's DT, DJT5900. All right. Well, I'm going to go with DT5000. My data part, if, anybody, if anybody's looking me up. All right. We're going to dox you right now. But I'm going to go with DT5000 as your new uh, – <laughs> Daily Dan and DT5000 are your new uh, nicknames for me. But I like them. DT5000, man. This was good to be back. It was definitely good to be back. We're going to get eventually a nice long episode. I just feel like there's been a, a lull. That's why we've kind of been putting the guest episodes together with the podcast because we don't want to give you a 38-minute 
podcast episode. We want to give you more than that. But right now in the world of sports, there's not really too much going on. But the NFL is starting very soon. So we have a couple of things planned that we're really, really excited about. So obviously, the episodes will be longer. It'll be more in-depth. So we're really excited about that. But DT5000, this has been a great episode. And uh, take it away. It's good to have you back. And yeah, we are, we're working every week to get some cool guests for you guys. You know, we've got nothing but time. We've got an episode every week and we're looking forward to introducing some new people to you, bring some people back. I wish I was able to talk to Jordan today, but uh, I, you know, I expect at some point we'll have him back on. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been, what are we, eight episodes in now, right? Yeah. Do I have that right? Eight episodes in. So that's about two months. Uh, we're very happy with the feedback we've gotten. Everybody was was very happy to hear Chris Meyer's interview last week. If you haven't listened to it yet, please check it out. He's great to talk to. We also plan to have him back on. Uh, but we're we're moving right along, and we're looking forward to football coming up soon. I know you are. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I can't wait to watch the Jets go for four and thirteen. Flacco, Joe Flacco revenge game week one though. Yeah, the the one win, and then they'll go three and thirteen the rest yeah. of the year. But. Speaking on behalf of DT5000 and myself, thank you guys so much. <laughs> I love that. I love that nickname already. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you again next week. Thank you.